0: guys you were made for influence people are watching you people are watching you they're they're observing your life the bible says that our lives are as as an open book to be read before everyone people are wondering what a real christian that's why you know (laughs) the last series was with the real church people are looking for the real church where's the real church where are the real christians who's Who's, who's going to act like Jesus today in the times that we're living in? And so there's an anointing on your life to not just be hearers of the word, not just quote the word, or be able to turn to it in your Bible, but to display, to act like Jesus, not just talk, but the action behind it. Romans 12, 1 and 2 is one of those verses that just, like I said, just hold you down and get all in your face. But I love it. It has, it has something for us to do. You know, a lot of times we pray, God change me, God change me, God change me. And he's saying, uh, I've given you all that you need to change. Now it's your move, right? Sometimes we want to do, we, we've got to admit that right up front, that we're, we're guilty at times of wanting God to do what we're supposed to do. So look at these verses and see what our responsibility is. Paul is saying, pleading with the church, or the Christians at Rome. Could be Christians today, here. Uh, the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, is, is pleading with us. I beseech you, I plead with you, I beg you, I, I beg you in light of, in light of all the mercies of God because of all that God has done for you that you would do this one thing present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your reasonable service don't get hung up on the word bodies because God's not looking for you to get up on an altar and you know become a burnt offering he wants you to be a living sacrifice not a dead one right but i believe that word body there includes spirit soul and body your whole man spirit soul and body are your whole woman to be equal there (laughs) he wants all of you because Jesus gave you all of him and it's only reasonable that we give God like we were singing this morning I surrender I surrender I surrender because Jesus didn't hold anything back from us we should not hold anything back from him and we do this so that we can do the next part of the verse verses. Do you know the Bible wasn't written in verses, right? One, two, three, four. It's just kind of thoughts that are joined together, right? So we're presenting our body to God so that we can transform our mind so that we're not conformed. Paul says, do not be conformed to this world. Don't think like this world. Don't act like this world. Don't, in a couple of versions we, we saw last week, stop Allowing yourself to be conformed. Don't let yourself be squeezed into the shape that's dictated by the present age. Or don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. But let God remold your minds from within. Don't be conformed to this world. But instead of conforming to the world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. To the word. To the word that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So there's the purpose behind presenting your body and transforming your mind so that you can prove something, so that you can prove that what God has said is his will, and it's good, and it's acceptable, and it's perfect. And so if you're ever wondering what God's will is, there's 66 books here from Genesis to Revelation. If you need a word from God... Here's the word from God, right? Don't go searching some person that wants to be a self-proclaimed prophet, right? Here's a word for you. You start doing all of this, and I tell you, your path will grow brighter and grow brighter and grow brighter. God will continually speak to you by his spirit through the word. Everybody say, God speaks to me. me. By By his spirit. Through his word. And I've met enough Christians in and, and all the years of ministry that say, I just don't, I don't hear from God. I don't hear from God. Here's a very simple way to hear from God right here. How much are you reading and studying and meditating on the word of God? So that is what the series is about. So that we're not conforming to the world. There's a lot of people that are conforming to the world these days. And a lot of Christians that are conforming to the world. Because they're paying more attention to the world than they are to the word. And so there's a contrast. Paul is is drawing a contrast between the world and its ways and the kingdom of God and its ways. There's a pattern in the world, and there's a pattern that God wants us to follow after. And before we begin to look at God's pattern, we have to, have to confess and admit that we have been conditioned to think like the world. You may not think... You may not think that we're conditioned as much as we are, but um, we have been, and you realize it when God begins to st- to start pointing it out, when He puts His pattern up against the pattern that we've been living in, you see the difference, and we have we have to admit that we have been conditioned in order that we can ro- re- reprogram reprogram our minds with the mind of Christ so that we can think like him. First Corinthians chapter 2 says we have the mind of Christ. Every Christian has access to the mind of Christ. But it's up to us, each individual one of us, to put that mind of Christ on every day. And Romans 12, one and 2 is how we do that. We put the mind of Christ on when we go to his word. We meditate his word. If you don't know where to start, Proverbs is a good book. It's a book of wisdom you can start in the morning. Tomorrow morning is the 26th of April. Go to Proverbs 26, right? There's one through 31 Proverbs. Just pick one for the day that you're on, just to get a nugget of wisdom. Just one verse. I guarantee you one verse out of Proverbs 26 tomorrow will speak to you and will change the way you think and cause you to see where you have been thinking and acting like the world. So we can either choose to follow God, or we can choose to follow the pattern of this world. And Paul is saying that here. Last week, William brought the word, and, and, and we looked at the pattern of fear. The world has this pattern of fear, and it's running rampant. Uh, b- b- before this thing called COVID-19, fear was out there, right? Knocking at everybody's door. And uh, COVID-19 just amplified it, magnified it. Um, but there's fear. The world has, has been as being dominated by, by fear because uh, it follows after the God of this world. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. And so there's no secret. There's no wonder why uh, fear has been uh, such a big thing this past uh, year or more, right? Fear. Because Satan rules by fear. And so we have to see how our thinking is lining up with the word. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. This week we're going to look, we're going to take a look at blame shifting. Blame shifting. Don't blame me. And right now we all deal with this. Every one of us deal with shifting the blame or pointing the finger, as we say. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2.11 that that we should be familiar with evil schemes of Satan so that he would not outsmart us. Just read 2 Corinthians 2.11. If we're familiar with the evil schemes, then we're not giving the devil place, right? Or we're not allowing him to outsmart us. The enemy wants the church to act like the world... So he continues to press you and I into the world's mold by the media. That's why you hear a lot of ministers say, guys, turn off the news. It's no secret that the news has been weaponized. (laughs) There there is an agenda. It's not hidden anymore. It was hidden for a few years, but now it's full-blown. The entertainment is the same way the sports is the same way if you want to watch a football game or whatever and now it's you have to listen to all the politics right. guys the world is trying to press everyone into its mold the, the vo- voices of unbelievers around you and and some people that are believers they just haven't renewed their mind Right? Here's here's 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 1 through 3. Some believers who have not renewed their mind act like unbelievers. And here's the proof. 1 Corinthians 3 1 through 3. New International Version. Brothers and sisters, this is Paul speaking to the church there at Corinth. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the spirit, but as people who still who who are still worldly mere infants in Christ, I gave you milk, not solid food for you were not yet ready for it indeed you are still not ready you're still worldly are thinking like the world acting like the world for since there's jealousy and quarrelling among you are you not worldly are you not acting like mere humans so we can take away a few points from that scripture number one we when we think like the world we will act like the world your thinking affects your actions and that's why your pastor says hey watch your intake of of social media and the news and entertainment there's there's agendas behind movies Thank you for those two amens. (laughs) When we act like the world, guess what? The scripture says we haven't grown up. (laughs) And and then Paul says, uh, are you not acting like mere humans? Mere humans. We're not supposed to act like mere humans. Why? Because we have the mind of Christ. We have the spirit of God. We are super natural. God put his super on our natural. And so we're not supposed to act like everybody acts. If Paul were writing to Lifeway Church, I had to deal with this question that I'm about to ask you. I had to deal with it for about 30 minutes yesterday. I tried to walk away from the Lord and because it was so heavy. If Paul were writing to Lifeway Church in Decula, would he write are you still thinking like the world? Acting like mere humans? And I take responsibility for that. I take a resp- part of the responsibility for that, right? My, our job, Pastor Sheila, my job is to grow, grow the body, grow the body, mature the body, build up the body to do the work of the ministry. If we're acting like children, if we're acting like mere humans, we're not going to be doing the work of the ministry. We're going to be fighting, jealousy. That's what he said, what? Jealousy and quarreling among you, right? So we have to take inventory. And this is one of those messages where we all deal with this blame shifting. I want to go back to the beginning. Back to the beginning, back to Genesis. You can see it in the garden. And men, listen, we were the first ones that were pointing the finger. (laughs) <laughs> oh, men, hold on. Women, don't punch your husband. But Adam and Eve in the garden, God created everything. There was nothing that Adam really needed to do except name the animals, all the things that God created, and then take care of it. I mean, that was a big job, but he was, had supernatural uh, ability, you know? And all he had to do was obey God says, hey, I created this tree and this tree. Just eat from this tree. Don't eat from that tree. And you know what happened. The enemy shows up. And the enemy always finds the weakest point. I'm not saying that the woman was the weakest point. The weak point was I really firmly believe that Adam didn't communicate well enough to his wife that that tree. We don't don't need to even go over to that tree. But they found themselves by the tree somehow and Adam didn't interrupt, he didn't interrupt the devil, he didn't interrupt the serpent. He let the serpent talk, which that was wrong. He should have said, hey, I recognize you, you don't belong here, I'm guarding this garden, this is my garden and you're off limits, get out, shut your mouth and get out. This is what men need to do now, if the devil's coming in your house, tell him you're off limits, shut your mouth and leave. Now, right? That's our job. And so because Adam didn't do his job, here's the enemy coming in, getting at his wife, tempting, tempting, tempting. And you know what happened? They both failed. And um, look at Genesis chapter 3. I want to pick up reading around... um, Verse 8, Genesis 3, 8, And the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? Now, God knew exactly where Adam was. He was giving Adam a chance to answer. That's God's mercy. Adam did answer, but he said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said, then who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? That is a yes or no question. Yes or no? <laughs> and here's the man's response. The woman It was it wasn't yes or no it was the woman Guys, we've got to quit blaming our wives. Come on now. The woman that you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. The New King James Version says, the woman, the woman whom you gave to be with me, you gave it. You gave it. So here's Adam, disobedient and rebellious, and he blamed. He said, it's not my fault. In fact, it's everyone else's fault except me. <laughs> Don't blame me. The men were first. Guys, we have to really watch this. But then he blamed God because he said, you know, it was kind of indirectly, but it was, it was there. This woman that you gave me. As if if you hadn't given her to me, then I wouldn't have disobeyed you. <laughs> right? Here's a point you need to write down and always remember. Other people cannot make you disobey God. Come on. Back in the day, we used to watch the entertainment show. Flip Wilson. You remember Flip Wilson? The devil made me do it. (laughs) The devil didn't make you do it. (laughs) No. Nobody can make you disobey God. And then he blamed the the woman, you know, she gave me the fruit. But here's the question I'm going to ask Adam when I meet Adam. If I meet Adam, because I don't know. I don't know that you know, but (laughs) did Adam make it to heaven or did he? I I don't know. But if I see Adam, I'm going to have an opportunity. I'm going to ask him this question. Why did you have to take it? Right? It's the woman that you gave me. She gave me this fruit to eat. Okay, well. You could have said, see this fruit? We're not going to eat this fruit. We're going to throw this fruit out of this garden or wherever, you know. Anything but eat the fruit because that's what God said. But the enemy loves it when we begin to fight each other. This is what happened in heaven. You remember? Satan tried to overthrow heaven by dividing heaven. He is a divider. He loves to divide. He loves to divide. He did this in heaven. That's why he got thrown out. A family divided against itself will not stand. That's why, men, we have to guard our families. But you need your wife's help. You need her help. That's why we have to be on the same team. That's why we have to communicate even more. So because Adam disobeyed God, he invited the curse on himself. But then if you continue to read Genesis chapter 3, there was a curse on his wife. There was a curse on the earth because of Adam disobeying and blaming. We don't know what would have happened if, God, if he would have just said, you know, I was the one, I was the one, I was the one. We can't, we can't tell what would have happened or what God's plan would have been, but we know that he disobeyed. God. And it caused division. It caused division. And that is what's happening in the world. The world is wanting us, the pattern of the world, the thinking of the world is wanting us to point our fingers at each other right now. And I want us to shake off this pattern and break this stronghold over our minds, this division, this pointing the finger. It's the world's pattern to divide and conquer, to stir up people against each other about things they disagree on, or destroy relationships and destroy unity, using things like COVID, things like the vaccination, things like masks, things like the Second Amendment, things like politics and defund the police. And critical race theory, and BLM, and Equality Act—the devil is stirring up the body of Christ to point fingers at each other. Hello, I may not be telling you anything new, but we need to recognize who the enemy is, or else we'll we, we'll get in this. You're my enemy. Come on, somebody should be shouting right now. <laughs> We have to put on the mind of Christ and renew our minds to God's will and not the way of the world and thinking like the world and not conforming to the world, but being transformed so that we can prove God's will. The truth about the matter is people are not our problem. People are not your problem. Can I say that again? People are not your problem. That might be good to write down. There's only one common enemy that we all have. And let me hear his name. Satan. Satan. It's the common enemy. Satan. Right? But if the enemy can deceive you into believing that someone else is holding you back. Or a whole group of people is against you. Then the enemy has you in bondage. Denominations divide. And it's. 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 It's the thinking of the world there is an all-out attack against every person on this world in this world on this earth to to find opposition so that they can get in a fight so that they could possibly be eliminated right the thing is when you point the finger and blame others you begin to sing harmony with the devil because Rome, uh, Revelation 12.10 says he's the accuser of the brethren. That's
1: right.
0: So when you point the finger, you're singing harmony with the devil. I like to say when you point the finger at somebody else, you have three pointing back at you. So why do people blame shift? Why did Adam blame shift? Well, to obviously to take the, the, the light or the focus off of ourselves. We like to deflect the guilt. We don't like to suffer the consequences, right? I was in grade school. I think it may have been third grade or fourth grade. We sat at these long tables. The whole class was sitting at the, you know, eight foot table, eight foot table, eight foot table. We put, I don't know, 30 people at the elementary school table. My teacher was sitting down, you know, down that end of the table and me and my friend, Al, Albert, Al, we just called him Al. He, we were sitting beside each other and somebody thought it would be funny to dare the guys to throw the biscuit because I don't know, just little boys, you know, third grade, fourth grade, I don't know when, when it was. But so Al, Al threw a biscuit and went flying. <laughs> I thought, okay, if he did it, I did it, I'd do it. I threw a biscuit and the girl ducked and it hit the teacher. (laughs) Two biscuits went flying and the teacher stood up and said, who threw the food? And Al and I got sent to the principal's office. I didn't hit, I didn't think I hit the teacher. I can't remember whether it was Al or me, but here I was blamed but I did something. Thank the Lord, you know, back in those days, we went and sat in the principal's office and she liked, because she had the paddle. She really did, no joke, had the paddle, the Board of Education, they called it. And it it was thick and it had holes in it so she could move it through the wind. Anybody see that Board of Education? back back in those days (laughs) back in the maybe we need to reinstitute the Board of Education (laughs) come on that's not part of my message but I was fortunate I was blessed because my mother worked in the in the front office at the school and she was just a she was a volunteer she would run the ripedia machine if any of you guys remember that that was way before the copy machine I'm like speaking a different language to some people. Repediograph machine. Google it. You might find one out there. <laughs> you could smell it all over the, all over the school. But thankfully, my mom was there. And guess what? The principal called my mom. Brought my mom in the office. Said your son was caught throwing food. And 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 boy, I got in more trouble than I would have if. That was back in the day. But we like to deflect guilt. I can testify wasn't my fault. He threw it too. He, he did it too. So how do people blame shift? How do people blame shift? By twisting the facts. Twisting the facts is a, is a good way to blame shift. Adam did it. You know, there's this woman that you, no, no, no. He didn't man up and take responsibility. And it cost him and it cost his wife and it, co- it cost us. Your sin affects other people, right? Disobeying God affects other people. That's why we should call sin, sin, and and do our very best to obey God so we don't suffer the consequences. By twisting the facts, we redefine the truth. We try to redefine the truth. There's a lot of redefining of truth these days. Blame shifting, shifting blame, 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 blame. How about uh, people blame shift when they're quick to jump to a conclusion? Look at Proverbs 18:17. Proverbs 18:17. The Passion Translation says there are two sides to every story. The first one to speak sounds true until you hear the other side and they set the record straight. Is this true? And you can see it happening right before our eyes. I mean, people are pointing and blaming and it's it's destroying the church in a, in, 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 in a way. That's why we got to call attention to it, to say stop, 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 stop. That's why Paul said, quit thinking like the world Think like God and walk in unity. Walk in harmony. Sing in harmony with the devil. Start singing harmony with God. Think like God. Act like God. How do people blame shift? There's a word now that's going around called projecting. Projecting, and kind of one definition of this word: projecting is that it's it's a way to transfer guilt for your own thoughts, emotions, and actions onto somebody else as a way of not admitting your guilt to yourself. Because it makes you feel better. And the world likes to feel good. Right? The world's all about feelings, but God's all about facts. God didn't ask, Hey, Adam, how do you feel? He said, Did you eat from the tree? I'm not asking you about your feelings. But there's a whole world out there that's projecting because it makes them feel better. And they're twisting things and blame shifting. You, you realize that what you call out in others, you will often find in yourself. Romans 2 2. Look at Romans 2 2 from the message. What you call out in other people is often found in yourself. At least I've found that to be true. Have you?
1: Yep.
0: Romans 2 2 says, every time you criticize, this is the message, every time you criticize someone, you condemn yourself. It takes one to know one. <laughs> You hear kids say that, right? It takes one to know one. Takes one to know one. Judgmental criticism of others is a well-known way of escaping detection in your own crimes and misdemeanors. But God isn't so easily diverted. He sees right through it through all such smoke screens and holds you to what you've done. So The bottom line is we have to be responsible. We we can't project and blame and point fingers at other people. We we have to be responsible and look inwardly. But blame shifting leads to a, a few more things. Blame shifting leads to playing the victim card. To blame shift leads to playing the victim card. I was born in the wrong family. I was born in the wrong country. I was born on the wrong side of the tracks. I was the baby in the family and I should have been born first. My father left me when I was young. I never knew my father. I was abused. I've been divorced and cheated on. Someone was mean to me and called me names. Anytime we are blaming others, it shows that we are thinking and acting like the world and that we have bitterness, resentment in our heart toward that person that we need to deal with. When we point at others and say it's their fault then we're actually in bondage to them. Right? This is what the the word says. And the world loves playing the victim card. That's why most everyone in the world can point out problems, but very few people can come up with any solutions. And if you choose to play the victim card, God... can't use you to do great things but if you refuse to play the victim card then God will use you to do great things because God created you you didn't create yourself he knew what he was doing when he created you he knew where to put you when you were where you, where you were created when you were created and he loves you with an everlasting love And he has a plan for you and he wants to use you regardless of what has happened in the past. You can't move ahead to your future when you continue to hang on to those people that have tried to pull you down, cut you down, and hold you down in the past. God wants you to be free from that. Free from that. So we have to be free From that victim mentality, that victim card. There's a word I want you to write down forgive. We say forgive, F O R G I V E. That word means, the word for means in favor of. If you're in favor of something, right? The word give really means to release. What you give, you release. Forgive. Can I ask you today, are you in favor of releasing? Are you in favor of releasing somebody that's hurt you? Maybe you did never know your dad. Maybe your dad did abuse you. Are you in favor today of releasing? At the end, we're going to pray and allow you to release the thing about releasing is we, 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 we don't need to go back and pick it up again,
1: That's
0: right. right? Every one of us have had the non-perfect life, right? <laughs> My life hasn't been perfect. My parents got divorced when I was a teenager. You know, disappointment, things happen to all of us, but we have to be in favor of releasing we have to forgive, we have to move on. So blame shifting can also lead to judging. Judging, Luke 637 says this, Jesus, this is the, uh, the Passion Translation, Jesus said, forsake the habit, the t- Passion Translation, Luke 637, forsake the habit of criticizing and judging others. and you will not be criticized and judged in return. Don't condemn others and you will not be condemned. Forgive over and over and you will be forgiven over and over. You remember the disciple that asked Jesus, you know, if somebody sins against me, how many times do I have to forgive? Jesus said, oh, seven times 70, 70 times seven. 490 times in one day for the same sin. I mean, Jesus wasn't trying to be exact like establishing some new law of forgiveness, but hey, forgive, go on, and let God deal with it. As far as you're concerned, if, if God takes our sin and removes it from us as far as the east is away from the west, and the east never meets the west, He throws it in the sea of forgetfulness, that sin. We should ask him to help us to do the same. Because the more we blame others for our misfortune or the more we blame others for the hurt that we carry, it stops us in the plan of God. So don't forget the law of sowing and reaping that you find in Galatians. Galatians, it says you're going to reap what you sow. So don't hold on. Be in favor of forgiving. Blaming others leads also to mistrust and division. And this is the plan of the enemy. To divide, to divide families, to divide churches, to divide people in a nation to divide. He, he is roaring like a lion right now trying to divide everybody. Divide households and divide neighborhoods and just divide. Yes. So the last point here is judging ourselves. We have to judge ourselves. This is the antidote to blame shifting. We have to take the initiative. We have to be uh, constantly searching our own hearts We have to think like God thinks. That's why we have to practice Romans 12, 1 and 2 every day so that we can see where we have missed it. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. And this is our last scripture. Matthew 7, 1 through 5, the Passion Translation. It says, refuse to be a critic. (laughs) That's good advice, isn't it? Just refuse to be a critic, full of bias towards others. And judgment will not be passed on you. For you'll be judged by the same standard that you've used to judge others. The measurement you use on them will be used on you. Why would you focus on the flaw in someone else's life and yet fail to notice the glaring flaws of your own? How could you say to your friend, let me show you where you're going wrong when you're guilty of even more? You're being hypercritical and a hypocrite. First, acknowledge your own blind spots and deal with them. And then you'll be capable of, of dealing with the blind spot of your friend. Again, this is from the Passion Translation. We recognize it more in the King James Version about the speck and the pole right if we stay free from poles in our eyes we can help others when they ask us to help them with the speck so we have to think about us first instead of pointing the finger just say lord help me show me and when you see others and you want to blame Instead, just pray for them and let God deal with them. And it might take some time. To help us do Matthew 7, 1 through 5, we need the Holy Spirit to help us judge ourselves, lest we be judged. When we judge ourselves, we need to look inside, but we have to have the help of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit doesn't condemn us. He corrects us, but he doesn't condemn us. He convicts us, but he doesn't condemn us. I hear Christians say, the Holy Spirit condemned me. No, he didn't condemn you. Condemning is pronouncing sentence upon. The Holy Spirit will convict you. And he does a lot better job when you say, show me. Rather than resist, 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 right? Open my eyes, Lord. Show me where, where I need to deal with me. And then help me in your word, with your word, to correct what I need to correct so that I don't end up in that same place again. Holy Spirit, help me. Humble ourself enough to admit the, when we're wrong. Be quick to repent and quick to ask forgiveness goes a lot better, right? So this is, this is the to-do from the message here. We should always have a to-do. Practically apply. This is where the rubber meets the road. Stay in God's Word daily because that's where we put on the mind of Christ so that we can transform our thinking so that we're not conforming to the world and so that we're able to prove God's will in our life. Amen. Did you get it? Yes. We can't think like the world and act like the world and try to win the world to Jesus at the same time. And really we should be looking inwardly as the church and individual members of the body to say, hey, Lord, how do I become more effective? How, how do I remove the things that need to be removed and transform my thinking here? Work on one thing at a time. Anybody that goes to a nutritionist or a uh, uh, trainer, <laughs> if you're gonna make changes, one step at a time, right? Pay attention to one area at a time. Don't take on the whole thing. Listen, God made you, but he made us to grow. Back to that same scripture. Paul was saying, "Hey, I wanted to give you something more than just milk, but you weren't even ready because of all these things that were going on. Pointing fingers and jealousy and quarreling and ah. ah, ah. I want to pray and help us, I include myself, for to forgive, to be in favor of releasing. When I got to that point in the message, maybe it, maybe it, something came up in you that like, oh, uh, that was a little hot button there. And you remembered somebody's face or somebody that, maybe they've continually over and over and over again it's not it's not that person needing your forgiveness it's you being in favor of releasing for your own good sometimes i've forgiven people and haven't called them sometimes you know i just ask the lord do you want me to reach out to this person if it happened years and years and years ago and that person is already on the heaven or is not on the earth anymore. Maybe there's not anything you can do. But I want us right now to just bow our head and close our eyes and think of situation or person that we need to be in favor of releasing. Lord, thank you for. Helping us to search ourselves right now doesn't take long. Show us, Father, what we need to let go of so that we can move on, move ahead. So that it doesn't infect us. Lord, I thank you for speaking to each one of us so that we take the step of faith together. We experience your healing together. Thank you. So I'm going to pray aloud, and I want you to just pray there at at your seat, thinking about that with that person or that situation in mind, whatever whatever it is, like I said, we've all been disappointed or hurt in the past. So Father, right now, we bring that person, we bring that situation before you. We ask you to show us how you see it. And whether we were right, whether we were wrong, we make a decision. Of love to release that person in Jesus name I release that person right now in Jesus name father I release that situation I release that hurt I thought I was over it but I've dealt with it again I recognize it again and and I just release it right now in faith I give it to you for good I ask you to take it. I release it to you in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, for being faithful. And I ask you to forgive me for holding on to that. You said in your word that you're faithful when I ask and confess my sin. Ask you to forgive me. You're faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me. So, Father, right now I ask you to cleanse me. That thing wasn't my fault. I didn't do anything. But what was done to me, I ask that you forgive the person and forgive me for holding on. Cleanse me now in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being faithful to cleanse me, to heal that place right now in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for relationships right now that, are, that will be affected from this very moment, that you will lead and guide each person to do what you want them to do. You'll speak to them. You'll open an opportunity, a door, a window. Lord phone call, a text, whatever. Father, thank you for healing and reconciling relationships, families, business partners from the past, coworkers, former boyfriends, girlfriends, different relationships that produced any kind of hurt Jesus name we refuse to point the finger we refuse to blame other people we refuse to identify as the victim when you created us to be victors we exchange that victim mentality for more than conqueror mind of Christ solid disciple mentality In Jesus' name. Jesus' name.